Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Chris Sedgwick. Good morning. How are y'all doing? My name is Chris Sedgwick. I'm the student pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. So hopefully uh, y'all are going to get out early today. So um, I'm used to speaking to teenagers and their uh, attention span runs about five to six minutes. So um, I try to keep my messages around that uh, length. So um, it's going to be a little bit harder for me to push it a little bit longer today, but y'all can bear with me. Um, at the end of every year, um, because, you know, working in student ministry, and I've been doing it for about 15 years, I've got to get disconnected to be able to kind of just refuel myself for the next year. And so um, at the end of every year, um, I head out to my family's ranch. They have um, a thousand acres. It's beautiful. It's in the hill country. There's no cell phones. There's no media. There's no nothing. And every year I go out there and I sit and I just uh, really seek God on what he wants me to do the next year in the student ministry. Uh, maybe some changes, maybe some new visions, maybe some uh, different ways that he wants me to um, minister to these teenagers better. And so every year I go out there, I just kind of get refilled, refueled for the next coming year. Um, but this year I went out there, and as I sat down and as I asked God what he wanted me to do in the student ministry, God completely changed the subject, and he focused it on me personally. Um, in 15 years, it's the first time that he's ever done that. And so um, I tried to focus it back on the student ministry, and God turned around and focused it back on me personally. And um, he began to really work on me personally. And I want to kind of share with you this morning what he taught me um, out there in my little time with the Lord. And so I know last week uh, y'all heard a sermon on health and New Year's resolutions, and, and this is going to kind of sound like it's going to start off that way, but it's completely different. Um, it's about something that the Lord really showed me um, during this week that I think uh, can be really useful for us having a great year and a great life. And so um, the personal thing that he went after me on was my, my health. Over the last seven years, I've gained 70 pounds. Um, I used to be uh, really active, really in shape, uh, but donut after donut, Dr. Pepper after Dr. Pepper, I found myself um, in a place where I really didn't want to be. Um, and so the Lord kept saying, you know what, Chris, you really need to work on your health. And I'm like, okay, I'll do a New Year's resolution. It'll be good. And he's like, oh, like the other seven you made? I'm like, okay, you know. And so, um, but he just continued to focus on that about me. And um, I asked the Lord, I said, how did I get here? Um, how did I get from being in shape uh, to being healthy to being so unhealthy um, over time? And, you know, I was like, God, where did this happen? At what moment did I, did I go wrong? And God revealed to me, he said, Chris, it wasn't about one big decision you made. It wasn't like one morning you woke up and you're like, mm, donut, you ate it, and an hour later you were 70 pounds overweight. You know, he said it was the thousands of little decisions that you've made over the last seven years. These thousands of little decisions. It was a donut here and there. It was uh, sleeping in here and there. It was skipping a workout here and there. It was drinking eight or nine Dr. Peppers a day. Um, I love Dr. Pepper, I'm telling you. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you know. Um, 
I really, God told me this is what he wanted me to talk to y'all about today. And I'm like, God, if I talk to them about this, anytime I have a Dr. Pepper near me, they're going to like slap it out of my hand. I'm like, you know, talk about accountability. You know, tell 3,000 people you need to get healthy. It's like, oh my gosh. So, um, but you know, he just showed me that it's really not the big decisions in our life that make the biggest difference. It's normally these thousands of little decisions that make over time. I mean, no one just sets out and says, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to become an addict. I mean, they don't do that. You know, a lot of times they'll begin to look at the internet a little too long and go to different places and, and, and push the limits to what God or the boundaries that God has set for them. And over time, they become addicted to something they shouldn't be addicted to. It's having one more drink than they should, or it's having a drink to help cope with a certain stress. And over time, they find themselves addicted to alcohol. And as God began to reveal this to me, he said, Chris, it's so much like your marriage. He said, you made a huge decision on your wedding day when you said your vows to each other. He goes, but that's not going to make your marriage successful. It's the thousands and thousands of little decisions that come after our wedding day that makes our decision, I mean, that makes our marriages healthy or unhealthy. And so as I looked at this, I said, okay, God, I understand how I got into this. How do I get out of it? How do I get back to where I was? And as clear as day, God said, the same way you got into it. He said, there's no big fix. There's no big decision. It's not a resolution. It's about you spending each and every day making the little decisions that I've called you to make. And over time, you'll be back in a place where I want you to be. So I began to think, how does God want to work in my life through my little decisions? I began to seek God a little bit more, and he led me to a passage of Scripture that I want to share with you all today. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible, and through this, he gave me three insights to how I can use my little decisions um, to really be able to follow him. The first insight is this. My little decisions cannot be decided by what everyone else is doing or what threats the world makes at me. Now, the scripture I'm going to read to y'all comes from Daniel 3, okay? It's about three men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, parents, don't ever name your kid any of those names. Um, as a student pastor, I see what happens when parents decide to get creative with kids' names. So um, there's not anyone in here named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is there? Okay, good. Um, I could just see me completely, you know, screwing that one up. Anyways, these three guys were living in Israel. Um, they were in the city of Jerusalem, and they served our God. And one day, the king of Babylon named King Nebuchadnezzar came over and uh, destroyed their town, took over their town, conquered their town, and took these boys back to the country of Babylon to be slaves to work in the king's court. And so now these three boys that grew up um, serving God are now placed in Babylon, a place where they serve all sorts of idols and other gods. They did not even recognize their God. Um, their moral standards weren't even close to the same um, as their Jewish faith was. And so now they're in this foreign land and they're living in a place where everything that's happening around them is against what they believe. And they're left with the decision, do we stand or do we bow? 
And so leading up into this moment, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were given lots of opportunities not to make the right decisions, but over and over they continued to make the little decisions. And it led to them being able to stand strong when things got tough. You see, after many years of them being there, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar built this statue that kind of resembled him of gold and said, when everybody in the land hears certain kind of music being played, you must bow down and worship this statue. And if you don't, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. This is what exactly back what he says, starting in verse 6. He says, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, I want you to listen to this next part. All the nations, all the nations, and people of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Everybody was doing it. And you know what? As I read this scripture, I started thinking to myself, this is so true in our world today. We make so many decisions in our lives based on what everybody else is doing. And we do it without even thinking. I mean, like what TV shows to watch or what movies to watch? What do we look? We look at what's most popular. Oh, this TV show is extremely popular. Might as well watch it. It doesn't matter if there's inappropriate scenes or the language there or there's things that doesn't honor God. Those things don't matter. It's popular, so we watch it. I fall into that all the time. I'm always looking at what TV show is trending most or what music is trending most, what music is most popular. We tend to make decisions based on what everybody else is doing. And as I sat there, I began to think to myself, when's the last time I ever prayed about or sought God about what I was watching or listening to? And I was extremely convicted in that moment. I was like, these are little decisions that I don't make based on what God wants for my life. I make these decisions based on what everybody else is doing. Because it's easy. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had a, a choice in this moment. It said everybody from every nation, every language, all the land bowed at this statue. For them not to bow, they were going to stand out like a sore thumb. I mean, they were going to be noticed. And it's the same thing in the world today. If we choose to do the things that God wants us to do, we're going to be noticed. We're going to stand out. It's going to make a huge difference in what we do. Now, I want you to look at what happens here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow, and they obviously were noticed because they were the only ones standing while everybody else was bowing. So some people who were loyal to king took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before the king and said, these men refuse to bow. This is the king's response to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made you, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? You see, the first thing that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to do is they had to overcome peer pressure. Everybody else was bowing down. And they had to say to themselves, you know what, we're going to stand even though everybody else is doing something else. The second thing is, they were now having their lives threatened if they didn't do 
what he wanted me to do. And you know what, guys? That is so true in today. I mean, students, if you choose to follow God, if you really choose to follow the callings that God has for your life, you're going to lose friends. You're not going to be invited to certain parties, certain activities. You're going to miss out on things. It will cost you, period. I wish it didn't, but I've been doing student ministry for over 20 years, and I've never seen a teenager be able to follow what God has called them to follow without it costing them something. Adults, it's going to cost you something. Some of y'all are going to lose business partners or business deals because you're not willing to compromise your integrity in the process. Some of y'all are going to lose friends. It might cost you money. It might cost you some of the things that you enjoy doing. It might cost you some of the freedoms that you have. But if we begin to follow God in the little decisions, it will cost us. Now, guys, I have not mastered this yet. Otherwise, I would be in shape right now, okay? Um, Trust me, all right? I walk in on Sunday mornings, and we fill this whole church up with donuts, and um, they call my name. Um, They really do. I walk in, the little donut holes are like, come get me. And um, I learned to resist the donut holes, but now they got these cinnamon roll things. I was like, oh, that's not even fair. And so... But, but time after time, um, I would just continue to go to those things. And so I'm saying, like, I haven't mastered it yet, but there was a time in my life where I really got to see God use me to stand up in the little things that led to something huge. Uh, before I came to Parkway Fellowship, I was a youth pastor at a church in San Antonio. Um, I had just started working there, um, and they began to have a building campaign going on, so they were asking the whole church for money. Well, they hadn't had a youth pastor in about five years, and so um, a lot of the rules, a lot of the morals, a lot of the standards and stuff like that had just been thrown out the window, okay? The kids were allowed to do whatever they wanted, um, all the different things was going on. So when I came in, we kind of had to, you know, tighten things up a little bit. Um, We were able to start teaching truth from God's Word, Um, And things were really going well for us. Well, some of the things that we were doing uh, didn't make all the parents happy. And so a couple parents who were extremely wealthy went to the senior pastor at this church, and they said, hey, um, if you want us to continue giving to the building campaign, you'll ask Chris to not teach certain things. You'll ask Chris not to have his standards or rules be as strict as they are. And uh, these were things that weren't just like, you know, opinions or preferences. These were things that uh, we honestly believe God had shown us um, in his word to be true. In fact, one of the things that they wanted me to stop doing was teaching God's word as an errant um, and kind of just say it's a historical book that could be used or not be used. And so these were big things. Um, My pastor didn't want to lose the money. And so the next day he came to me with a sheet of paper with all these things on it and said, hey, Chris, you need to sign this or you can't work here anymore. And basically it said, I will choose to believe this, 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 and this, and this. It was, it was kind of their own little statement of belief of what I won't teach and what I'll say I believe. So I took it home with me and um, I sat down with my wife and I said, Jill, I know God wants me to sign this but I really want to do youth ministry. 
And I said, I don't have another church to go to. I don't even know if there's another church around that would hire me. I don't know what's going on. I really want to do youth ministry. I said, so I don't want to give up these students. I love these students. I care about these students. I don't want to do this. But God was telling me, Chris, you cannot bow to this. I need you to stand. So I didn't sign it. I went in the next day, and the Lord told us to resign, not tell anybody why we resigned. He didn't want me to take the church down with me or, 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 or try to cause any damage to the church. So we resigned. A lot of the students weren't very happy with me. Um, the only job I could find at that time, because uh, I hadn't quite finished college yet, uh, was working some maintenance at a local private school. And, and about three months into that, I began to ask God, what's going on here? You asked me to take a stand for you. You've called me to full-time student ministry, and now I'm here doing something that I'm not good at, something that doesn't fulfill me, something that doesn't make me happy. Why? What's going on? You know, I chose not to bow when my job was threatened. I chose not to bow when my livelihood was threatened. What's going on here? Well, I worked there for about another three months, and then I finally got another youth pastor job in downtown Houston, which... Being from San Antonio, Houston was the last place you ever wanted to go. It was like, oh, don't send me downtown Houston. And so um, I worked downtown uh, for about nine months on a two-hour commute every day. Um, and I still, I was just like, Lord, what are you doing? While I was there, I met a lady who knew a man named Mike McGowan. And she said, you know what, this guy Mike is looking for a youth pastor to start a startup church. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's crazy. Um, you know, why would I want to come be the youth pastor at this startup church? No money. But through an incredible, miraculous events, God led me to join Mike McGowan and start Parkway Fellowship. And 15 years later, I look back and I can't even imagine what my life would look like had I signed that piece of paper. I can't imagine what it would look like if I would have chosen to give in to the threats of losing my job, of losing that money. God knew what he was doing. And the Bible says that God is able to deliver us from those things. It doesn't say he always will, but it says he's able to. So again, we serve a God who is able to deliver us, but that's not the reason to stand. The reason to stand is because God asked us to. The second insight is this. My little decisions must be decided by God's calling for my, not, my life, not by what God will do for me. This is my favorite part of this entire story. This is the part of the story that still um, just teaches me so much in my own personal life, okay? King Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, bow down right now, and if you don't, we're going to throw you in the blazing fire. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response to King Nebuchadnezzar. I love it. It says, if we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. This is my favorite part. But, this is a huge but. <laughs> I'm a youth pastor. We've got to laugh at those things. Um, <laughs> sorry. I know, I'm like 40 years old, and I'm still like, <laughs> um, it's part of being a student pastor. So if I was in the youth ministry right now and I said it's a huge but, the whole area laughs. So you just got to go with it sometimes. Okay, but, and, and this, is, this is awesome. 
even if he does not. He said, our God can deliver us, he's able to deliver us, and we believe he will deliver us, but even if he does not deliver us, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. See, their decision was not based on what God would or would not do for them. I mean, so many times in my life, I'm like, you know what, God, I'm gonna do my quiet time so I get this out of it. Or I'm gonna give money to the church so I get this out of it. Or I'm gonna show up at this or I'm gonna serve so that I get these rewards or so I feel good or I, 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 I. We do things expecting that God will give us something in return. We make sacrifices in our lives saying, you know what, I know God's gonna give me something nicer. He's gonna give me something bigger. He's gonna give me something better. Can God do that? Yes. Does he always do that? No. And so our decisions can't be based on what God will or will not do for us. Our decisions have to be based on the fact that God has just called us to do it. Because if we really think about it, God has promised us that if we believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he's going to give us eternal life. And is that not enough? How big and great is that already? We don't need or deserve anything more. And so for us, being able to honor him in all that we do is something that we can do just by listening to him through the little decisions. The third point is this. My little decisions will eventually lead to big ones that allow God to reveal his glory and power. Okay, now this is the cool part of the story, okay? This is the miraculous part of the story. Um, after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say this, the king gets like super honked off. Um, he orders the furnace to be heated seven times um, its normal heat. He has Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego tied up and thrown in the furnace. In fact, it's so hot at this moment that the people that threw them in were burned alive. And so he sits back and he's happy with himself and he's looking in the furnace and all of a sudden he notices that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the furnace walking around. Okay? I mean, yeah, he's like, what? Then there's a fourth person that joins them that he describes as looking as though he was one of the sons of the God. Okay? And so now he has seen something that is unbelievably incredible here. And I want you to look at how Nebuchadnezzar responds. Now remember, this is a guy that just moments ago was making fun of their God, was calling them weak, and threatened them with their lives. And now this is what Nebuchadnezzar says, like four verses later. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except for their god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. So no other God can save in this way. Now, ignore the horrible punishment. Um, you might have gone a little far on that one. But if you noticed, in an instant, they changed the king's view of God by the stand that they took. 
You see, God's glory was shown there. It wasn't like the king said, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come on out. Hey, guys, I decree that anyone talks bad about these three men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't get the praise and the glory there. Their God did. Our God did. And so in that moment when I read that, God revealed to me real quick. He said, Chris, your health is not about you. I don't want you to get in shape so that other people go, hey, you're looking good, Chris. I don't want you to get in shape so that you can look better or be better or, you know, make people think you are better. It's not about you. He, he, he just sat down and he spoke to me. He said, Chris, I want you to get healthy so that I can use you to be the student pastor for another 15 years. He said, I can't do that if you don't take care of yourself. He said, I want you to be able to be a more active family man. I want you to be able to play with your son as he gets older. I want you to be able to have the energy to love on your daughter and take care of your family the way that I want you to for my glory. But I can't do that if you don't take care of yourself. You see, these little decisions are not about me. I used to think that. I used to think, you know, why do I have to look good? I'm married, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, <laughs> married a Christian woman, she doesn't believe in divorce. I'm good, you know, I mean, <laughs> why does it matter? But God's like, you know what, it's not about you. It's about you being the person that I want you to be. And guys, God wants to use each and every one of us through the little decisions to bring him glory and honor in everything that we do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just praise you. We thank you for this morning, Lord. Lord, I just thank you um, for just sharing this scripture with me. I'm so far from mastering this, Lord, and I so need your help and grace as I begin a journey to make good little decisions in my health, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that you give me strength, that you give me wisdom. But most of all, Lord, that you just love on me through this process. I pray the same thing for every person sitting in this room today, Lord. That you will allow them to do the things, to make the little decisions, those that are so hard to do. The things that you have called them to do in their lives, Lord, so that they can bring honor and glory to your name throughout the years. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you for everything that you've done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.